say I walked in this morning. Damon didn't know, but I knew he wasn't feeling well. Friday, this stuff hit me, <clears throat> and I mean, it hit me hard. And so the uh, last two days, I've been sweating and sleeping and, you know, those cold sweats. And this morning, I woke up, I looked at Angie, I said, you know, I want to call in sick. I just don't know how that one works, you know. I'm scheduled to preach, and I know Damon's not feeling well, so I can't call him and ask him to preach for me. And I've been out for two weeks, so, you know, uh, hopefully you all are missing me. No, I mean, he can preach if you'd like, you know. <clears throat> It'd probably be easier for me, that's for sure. So, um, forgive me for the raspiness of my voice. I'll drink water <clears throat> as much as I can to try and keep it, you know, moderate. Um, we're wrapping up our Call of God series, and uh, it's been a wonderful series. Uh, Y'all might recall some snow we got a couple of weeks ago, and it kind of messed up our uh, anointing service and all that that we wanted to do to wrap that up. And, and today, you know, where I w- thought about maybe, you know, we could do that at the end of the service. I'm not going to be laying hands on you with this stuff going on, if you understand where I'm coming from. But at the end of the service, when we come to our close, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask each of you to, to pick about four or five people around you they basically you divide into groups so that you can pray over one another. And because we'll be talking about the anointing that is on your life today for ministry, I think it's fitting for us to end the service with you praying for one another. Can you say amen? That wasn't a good enough amen. I got to preach for Kyle Rogers down there, and, and those folks, you know, in the South, they know how to say amen. So give me an amen like you're in the South. That's pretty good. How many of you from the South? Raise your hands if you. Oh, we got enough Southerners in here. You can influence the house enough with your uh, amen that uh, I think we'll get some fire going on in here this morning. All right. <clears throat> so <clears throat> as we've been doing this series, we kicked it off out of Hebrews 11 where we talked about the, what we called the Hall of Faith, if you will. It's been termed as the Hall of Faith where we reflect on so many of the characters of the Bible that we read about and that we've shared about through this series. We've shared a number of those different people's lives and, if you will, their timeline. And In the first message, I ask you um, if you would be maybe mapping out, if you will, charting out what your time, what's your life story, what's your timeline in your walk with God, either before you came to know Him, uh, when you came to know Him, and after you've come to know Him, and that you would chart that out in some of those key moments of your life, which we'll reflect on here in a few minutes, uh, where we'll recap some more uh, concerning what that first message was that kicked us off into the Call of God series. Because the better that you know your story, the clearer you understand your call and what God has anointed you to do with regard to his kingdom and that work within you on this planet. We're here for a short period of time. We talked about the importance of understanding that we are in this world and we are not of it. The the moment that you were born again, the moment you committed your life to Christ, you you were translated, you were removed from darkness and into the marvelous light of God. That that you, you set out on this course now to be transformed, not to be conformed to the world any longer, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you might what? that you might know what the will of God is for your life. 
that as you study the word of God and you submit yourself to God's word and what it speaks for your life, you become clearer and clearer and clearer about God's call on your life. And the clearer you are on the call of God in your life, the more you'll see the kingdom of God manifesting in your life and those around you. I don't know about you, but I came to know Christ because someone shared Christ with me. They were walking out their calling and being faithful to God, being faithful to that call in their life, and as a result of it, it had effect on me. I know last week, Warren talked about the effect and effect, if you will, of the call of God, of the anointing of God. Uh, and when we look at Jesus Christ and we look at his life, there was the effect and effect of his fulfillment of God's call in his life. And we are no different than the one we're following. Can you say amen? <coughs> I'm sorry. So our scripture for this series has been out of Hebrews 12 and verse 1, and it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Clearly, each of us have a race. We're called to run. and we got to be careful not to be weighted down with stuff it's weights it's not necessarily sin but sins and weights in other words concerns and cares can weigh us down remember jesus said that that when the word is sown he talked about in the parable of the sower that the cares of this world the thorns choked out the word of god so we got to be careful about those things that can weigh us down and cause the word of god to be of no effect in our life acts ten thirty eight, going to what this week's focus is and that is the anointing for your calling acts 10 38 how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for god was with him let me say this it's no different for you god anointed jesus christ of nazareth and god has anointed you for a specific calling in his kingdom Identifying what that is is very, very important. Last week, Warren, Pastor Warren talked about Jesus at the wedding in Cana. At the wedding in Cana, Jesus' mom comes to him, and she says to him, you know, they've run out of wine. Jesus says to his mother, what does that have to do with me? How does that, how does, how's that my concern that they don't have any more wine here at their wedding? My time has not yet come, right? But Jesus ends up, even though his time had not yet come, Jesus ends up turning water into wine. Isn't that correct? Jesus says this to his mother. Think about this. <clears throat> Jesus says to his mother, my time has not yet come. The mom says, hey, they don't have any more wine. Let's just say it this way. Hey, they got a need here. That you are more than capable, son, I know you are more than capable of answering this problem. Come on now. And how do we know this? Because even after Jesus says, my time has not yet come, mama. He's basically telling her, hey, stop messing with this. You know, when my time comes, my time will be there and everybody will know it. Mom turns to the disciples and says, 
do everything he tells you to do. And I think if Mary was here today, she would look at every one of us concerning this anointing that is on Christ to understand that there's something about the the anointing that flows down. And when you set yourself under the one who is anointed, he was called the anointed one, the anointed one. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church. Come on now. So he is the anointed one. Behold how good it is, Psalms 133, when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the oil upon Aaron's head that runs down upon his beard, down to his shoulders, down his garments, even to the hems of his garments. Aaron is a type of Christ. He was the man set over the congregation. He was the headship of the congregation of the Lord. Jesus is the headship of the congregation of the Lord. Come on now. He is the anointed one. God has anointed him. The spirit was upon him without measure. And what comes down from from the head of Jesus, the head of the church, when it flows down, the anointing flows down, it comes to us, the body of Christ. It flows down when we preach the gospel upon his beard, the zikon, the mouthpiece. When we preach the gospel, God anoints the words of the gospel that whoever would proclaim them, they will effect what is going on because the person speaking them has been affected by them come on now (coughs) y'all pray for me this is rough probably not as rough as it is for you though right he anointed jesus christ of nazareth with the holy spirit do you know that when jesus ascended into the heavens he had said to his disciples he would pray the father and that he would send the holy spirit how was jesus anointed he was anointed by the holy spirit when did that happen when he was baptized in water he came up out of the water when he came up out of the water the spirit landed on him like a dove the father anointed him and in that moment the father said this this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The spirit always sets down. Let me, let me say it this way. There's something about sanctification. See, when Jesus went into the water to be baptized, he did it that scripture would be fulfilled. We know that John the Baptist says to him, man, you know, I'm not worthy to un- unlatch your sandals, right? The one who is coming after me, so on and so forth. He says this to him. He says, he goes, I'm, I'm not worthy. I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, suffer it to be so. That the scripture might be fulfilled. In other words, Jesus never deviated what scripture said. He submitted himself, even though he was all God, in manhood, he submitted himself to the word. And in doing so, John the Baptist, he baptizes him. This is a consecration. This is a setting apart unto the work of the Lord. It was a baptism of repentance, turning away. Even though he had known no sin, he still was going to follow in baptism. He was still going to be baptized by John because the scripture said that that would be the case. And in in doing so, he set for us the pattern to follow. And when he was baptized in water, the consecration unto the work of the Lord, say set apart. He was set apart 
for the work of the Lord. And when he was set apart for the work of the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and anoints him. When you are set apart for the work of the Lord, the anointing of God comes upon you by the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to fulfill the call that God has on your life. Y'all ought to have said amen there. So today's big idea is God has anointed us for our calling. God has anointed us for our calling. Recapping that first message that set us on our course for this series is two calls that we need to hear and respond to. The call out of darkness. The call out of darkness. That's coming out of darkness into light. Being born again. Being saved by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice that he was on the cross was so that we would be forgiven. He was the purchase price for our sins and we need to acknowledge that call. Repent, submit ourselves to him. What do we do? We bend our knee and confess Jesus Christ is Lord and we shall be saved. He needs to be the Lord of your life. The second was the call to walk worthy of our calling. Ephesians says that we're called to walk worthy of our calling. That God didn't call us out of darkness and into his light to continue to walk like we used to walk, but rather to walk in a new and living way. And two things we need to be motivated to live by our calling. Don't make earth your home. Don't make earth your home. Remember that you're in this world and you're not of it, that you're a sojourner, meaning you're, you're living through this time, but you're living for the place that you've been called to live for all eternity. And the second one is live with eternal perspective. And everything you decide, all the things that you do in life, let them be filtered with the idea that you're not living for just now, but you're living for eternity now. That you keep eternal perspective as the filter. If you will, it's like a set of glasses that you put on. Anybody ever watch a 3D movie? Raise your hand if you've seen a 3D movie. Okay, most of you know what I'm talking about then. You know, when you're, when you're in there, you take the glasses off, you really don't see, you know, it's kind of not this, when you put the glasses on, all of a sudden you see things, they, they, they're like, take on a whole new life, right? And right in front of you. It's that way. When, when you put on the lenses that cause you to see the, the kingdom of God in your life, when you've been born again, the kingdom of God isn't, well, when I die one day, I'll be in the kingdom. No, when you were born again, you were translated into the kingdom of God. And you live your life with that eternal perspective before you all the time. You see everything going on around you. But it's like, like when that image pops off the screen in a 3D movie. That everything going on around you, it's like the eternal things of God pop off the screen of life. And they become just as real as everything going on around you. And, and more so because you know that these things will pass away. The temporary things will pass away, but the eternal things will last forevermore. Live life with eternal perspective. Gosh, I'm sorry. <coughs> Damon, maybe we could tag team this and you can finish it out. <coughs> we looked at, uh, through this series, some pretty amazing examples in Scripture. Uh, and if you will, at their timelines without doubt they have many similarities with all of us 
probably could compare our lives to different aspects of some of the people we've looked at in this Call of God series. We talked about Abraham. If you will, for Abraham, God made him a promise that looked like it was never going to happen. But by faith, Abraham trusted God, even to the point of God asking him to give the promise that he bestowed upon him. He asked for it back, and Abraham withheld nothing from God. And when Abraham withheld nothing from God, what happened was is God rewarded him all the more. And he wasn't just the father of Isaac. Hmm. See, sometimes we have things that we want to hold on to. I'm sorry. <laughs> My son comes into play on this one. He enlisted in the army the other day. Yeah. Yeah, you all know I'm a patriot. But it's kind of like singing that song. You give and take away. You know, you can think about it like God's taking something from, from you. You know, it's like I've raised him. I want him around me all the time, you know. And then, you know, he listens to the army. Guess what I know? He's not going to be around me all the time. And there's that aspect of God's promise in our life. And sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't look like what we think it looks like when it comes to that moment of, of, of fulfillment. His Wade's calling. Wade feels that's what God's called him to do. That's what he needs to do with his life. And, and he has my blessing for that. But him, his mother and I, and she's very proud of him. Um, but it's like, he's going to be gone. And I think about that like, wow. You know, that doesn't even come close to a God asking Abraham to go up on a mountain and sacrifice his son to him. But the reward to Abraham, because he was willing to do that, is that he's not just the father of Isaac, he is the father of us all. He's the father of our faith. And so by, by walking in the anointing that God gave him and fulfilling what God called him to do, Abraham has received so much more as a result, such great promise as a result of his obedience. Amen? Y'all enjoying this? I know my voice is hard to, to deal with. We talked about Moses, if you will. We're talking about a guy who made a mess of things. He made a mess, man. It took him 40 years on the backside of the desert for God to get all that straightened out in him and for him to become hum or to be humble enough to all of a sudden say, God, you've got to have somebody else for this job. I'm just not the man. I don't even speak well. God sends him anyway, doesn't he? Why? Because Moses no longer saw things as being accomplished to deliver his fellow um, Israelites no longer saw it to be something he could do in his own strength. He would need God now. Any of you ever been in that kind of situation? In that situation right now? Where you've tried to do things your own way? Come to the place of saying, you know what? God, I'm not capable. That's where Moses came to. You see how we can draw those similarities from their life for ours talked about joseph if you will joseph became a savior joseph if you will by the dream and by the the calling of god and the anointing of god in his life through those dreams and his submission to what god said for his life he endured the suffering of misjudgment mistreatment and he came through all of that to be a savior for the whole world from the standpoint of god's dream being interpreted through him and there being grain stored up in Egypt 
to save mankind through a famine. He talked about David, if you will. You, you know, here's a guy who um, each in that timeline, everything that he was given to do, he was faithful to do. You know, where it came to the bear killing, the lion killing, and the anointing of God came upon him for both of them. But, but that was preparation for the moment when he was going to kill the giant that threatened the children of Israel. Talked about Esther, you know, being in a lowly place, brought up to a much higher place, and in a sense forgetting her place. Being reminded by Mordecai, you know, hey, if you don't step up for this, God will bring help from another place, and who knows, you'll perish with your family. <laughs> so Esther steps up, and she makes it happen. She fulfills her calling. Talked about Paul the Apostle, if you will, the persecutor of Christians who has an encounter with Christ and then becomes one of the greatest preachers that the world has ever known. To this day, I mean, we read more than two-thirds of the New Testament. When we read it, we're reading something that Paul has influenced. He's influencing us this very day. When you think about that, you start to understand the importance of each of us fulfilling the call of God on our life. Because if Paul could affect us this far down the line, what is it that you're called? What is it that the anointing of God on your life and being faithful to fulfill that, who will that affect two years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What will the call of God on your life, what will the legacy be by the obedience that you give to God to fulfill your calling? And understand, it's not of your own strength. It's by his anointing, amen? Talked about the early church. Obviously, we saw a great anointing on the early church. And we talked about Jesus last week. And that, that even in uh, the face of, of not being ready, he was ready, right? See, we can often have that same kind of approach to things. It's not that Jesus was wrong. He wasn't wrong. The reality is, is the anointing of God is ready where there's a need. The anointing of God is always on standby for a person who will be obedient to let God use them to manifest his kingdom in the lives of others around them. Can you say amen? So, in our wrap-up today, the big, the big idea is that you're anointed of God. So, the big question is, what are you anointed for? What are you anointed for? First John 2.20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, how many would raise your hand and say, I know all things? Huh? There's a whole lot of questions I have right now that I would like to have some answers for. Come on. You with me? Anybody got some things that are like, God, I'd really like to have some answers for this right now. Right? But he says that you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Why is it that you know all things? You may not have all the answers right now, but I promise you as you continue to pursue God and seek Him and His will for your life, that He will reveal that. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Why? Because you've been anointed by the Holy Spirit and He has all the answers. 
and he will unfold those things in their right timing. Sometimes it's, it's a timing issue, you know. Other times it's an obedience issue. Many times it can be a faith issue. But make no mistake about it. When all things align to what God's will is, if you're in the right place, at the right time, for the right purpose, the anointing of God will set down on that situation and you will see the kingdom of God manifest for whatever the need may be. That just was not exciting enough. I thought that was really good. And you just need to know it wasn't from me. It was from the Holy Spirit. That we need to understand that when we avail ourselves to God for his purposes. He's not withholding his power from us to carry them out. He wants that to be upon our lives more than we could ever desire it. But it is about making ourselves available to him for it. Can you say amen? That's why your timeline is so important. Isaiah 10, 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil or the anointing will break the yoke. That, that when we understand that, that when we think of needs or situations that people are facing, that the anointing of God comes and we... Go back, I want to read that first scripture again, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And when we understand that God is giving, he gave Jesus that anointing to break the yoke off of people's lives, to meet those needs and to remove that oppression, to remove that heavy burden that was on them. He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. People who are under the yoke of bondage, under the yoke of sin, slavery to those things that demand their time, that demand their life, and do nothing but, but draw from them what God intends you to have much better, a, 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 a fuller life. A life that is abundant and flowing from the kingdom, not from the desires of the flesh. You will, let's put it this way, that, that we find the distractions that come in our life, they come from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That when those things come in, what they do is they fix us with a yoke. Come here, Angie. <clears throat> What's the matter? Yes, yes, right there, baby. That to understand a yoke, I grew up on a farm, and, you know, we didn't use oxen, but there was all kinds of yokes in the barn, and I would ask my grandfather what those were. I got to see it when we went to uh, what we called Amish country. We'd go over there and get their pies and have them fix our shoes because they still had cobblers and stuff like that. We didn't have that. And, and we'd go over there and we'd see them. Well, they'd have ox yoked in together and they would be plowing fields with the ox yoked. And the way it was, um, excuse me, sorry about that. Chantel, would you come here and stand beside Angie? <clears throat> I 
And that what you would have, it's just like this, this yoke of wood that would be, it would yoke them in together. And they weren't going anywhere without it. You know, in other words, this one couldn't go that way unless it was dragging this one. That's what sin is like for us. And we're yoked in, what happens is, is we're going to go whichever way that yoke pulls us. No longer yoked to the sin, the slavery of sin, if you will. What he's saying there is that when Jesus came, the anointing of Christ breaks the yoke of sin. It lifts the heavy burden of that yoke and it frees us to walk in that new and living way. It takes that yoke off of us and we get yoked in with something that take my yoke, it's easy and my burden is light. And here's another thing they would do. They would yoke a young ox with an older ox, with a more experienced ox. When we yoke him with Jesus, what happens is we're the young ox and he's the older seasoned ox. We don't know what we're doing. We don't even know which direction to pull. When, when that yoke of slavery, of sin comes off of us, remember what our, our scripture has been through this whole series. Laying aside every sin and weight that besets us. That what happens when we take is that old yoke is off of us. The anointing has broken it off of us. And we've taken his yoke because it's easy. And his burden is light. That when we yoke in with him, obedience may feel sometimes hard. But when we understand that that yoke of obedience brings us into a relationship with Christ and that his anointing causes that, that yoke to feel light. Even though there's a yoke there, it's a light one. And he's doing all the work. Come on now. He's the older seasoned ox. He's doing all the work. Come here, Adam. How you doing? Good. I won't breathe on you. Stand right there. All right, I'm going to hook up like this is going to be our yoke, okay? You got me? We're with each other? Okay. Now, what you're going to do, you're not going to put any effort in. You're just going to kind of, wherever I go, you go, all right? You feel me pulling you just a little? It's not difficult, is it? You don't even have to really think about where you're going to turn so much. It's like, well, God gave me a brain. Yes, he did. Sometimes that brain misleads you, doesn't it? In other words, through prayer, yes, you're going to use your brain. But through prayer, there's an obedience that comes to submit yourself to what his word says, even when your brain says, that's nuts. Forgive that person. They mistreated you. That's nuts. Yeah, but do it. Because you know what? You won't be feeling a heavy yoke on you. Stop looking at that woman and lusting after her. You're married. And it makes your heart feel guilt when you're around your wife. Yeah, but she looks good, right? But if you come under his yoke, that breaks off. You don't feel guilt when you're with your wife. Come on now. You see, you're all quiet now. (laughs) Stop looking at pornography. (laughs) You all with me? Give your tithe 
oh, I can't afford it. Can't afford not to. Y'all, you hearing me here? Hmm. There's a, a trusting relationship is what that yoke is. It's not something that, that is difficult, but it is something that requires a decision. When you make that decision and you start to move with Christ, you'll start to see the benefit of it. His anointing setting down on your life and those situations that face you and the decisions that you make each time to be obedient to what he's telling you to do and you watch those situations break, the yoke break because of the anointing. See, your timeline is important because whatever God's done in your life, whatever you have allowed him to break in your life, he's anointed you to break in somebody else's life. Come on now. Hmm. See, I ask you to, to write down successes, failures, key relationship impact, positive or negative, moments you knew God did something, you know, something key and strategic that God did in your life. Write it on that timeline. You know, in, in, you know, I was six years old and this happened. I was, you know, and you're putting those things in these strategic spots and you're building your story and you're seeing these moments of what God did in your life. So I'm six years old and I watched my dad beat my mother bloody and knock her teeth out and rip half her hair out. Scared me. Fear I can't even begin to try and explain. But I knew this. At that moment, I would never be that man. I would never do that to my wife. You see where I'm coming from? And so in, in that situation, what happens when, when you see it, it has an impact on you. And, and, and it, it, it begins to build your story. You know, fast forward just a little bit. I'm with my dad. He's beating his fifth wife. I'm 17 years old. And I remember laying in my room. He's beating her. I remember walking. I remember, because I'm not a little boy anymore. And I remember going in and I opened the door. And I, they're in their bedroom and he's beating her. I opened the door. I said, you need to stop now. And he turns and cusses me out and tells me, get, go back to your room. I said, you need to stop or I'm calling the police. Another strategic moment in my life, you understand. And then he and I have this encounter. See, uh, you know, father-son stuff going on there. And they, these are key moments. And I remember when he punched me one night. He's drunk and he punches me. And when he punched me, I remember it, it shifted everything in me to where I was like, I'm done. I'm done. And at that moment, I knew I was going to go in the Army. I'm going to enlist. I'm getting out of here. And I went to school. I enlisted in the Army. Now, here's what's interesting. My son's experience enli enlisting in the Army is completely different than my experience enlisting in the Army. 
Matter of fact, I can tell you now that it's, it's interesting that, that wrestling that you have with your children, helping them figure out what they're going to do with their life, what their call is, so on and so forth. And when, he, when he's talking, it's like, Dad, I don't want to talk about it. Like, it stresses them out. They're going into full, full on, this is life, man. Oh, my God. I'm not going to be a mom and dad's anymore. You know, I'm, I'm out of high school. I got to do something with my life. And I don't want to talk about it because it's stressful. It's like, well, you got to talk about it. You got to figure this stuff out. It's like, I know. Leave me alone, you know. And he, and he figures it out. And he comes to that place. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, Dad, what do you think? It turns to counsel. See, I enlisted behind my dad's back. Because I knew he would be angry with me. And he might try to stop it. And he found out two weeks before I was leaving for the military. You know, the, the, if you will, the irony of it was, when, the day I told him, when I was leaving, February 2nd, 1990, or 89, excuse me. It was 89? Lord have mercy. 1989. And, and it was the day he was wounded in Vietnam. Do you think it was a coincidence or do you think there were he sobered up for five years from that encounter from that situation he sobered up for five years he returned to it unfortunately but he sobered up for five years because he wanted a relationship with me he just couldn't stay away from the alcohol and that sobered him up for five years because I actually went in on the very day that he was wounded in Vietnam and it just rocked him to his core and Vietnam messed him up now, now I'm telling you those stories because there's an element of, of how they work in our life and in the midst of our testimony that I saw enough of my dad's life that I knew that I wanted to be a different kind of father. And I'm telling you, the anointing of Jesus Christ broke that yoke in my life and he yoked me with an easier and lighter yoke. And it's allowed me to be a father to my son that I, I rejoice over this moment in our lives and it becomes a witness for others of how God can work in our life. He cares about the things we care about and let me tell you how much I care about Wade. I care about my son so much. I want to see God work in his life and it's been neat to watch him you know, through this whole transition. It's been neat to watch how God is at the center and when I'm telling him, you know I'm praying for him you know the jobs he wants all that kind of stuff it's like thanks dad he's texting mom and and you see that God's at the center of conversation you understand that he's he's realizing his calling he's realizing his path in Christ now there's the military is one thing but what do you think my first conversation about where he's going to go and do his training when you get down there you find a good local church. <laughs> you get in the house of God and you get planted so that you can meet a sweet young lady that loves the Lord. <laughs> you stay away from them little hussies now. <laughs> Let me give you a few good descriptions. You understand timeline here. Understand. See, now I'm talking to him about his timeline. See, this is a, here's my dad. Here's my experience, transition, my life my own son, and now I'm talking about his future and what that'll look like for him as a father one day. You want to be a good father, make sure you get a good wife. Make sure you get a woman who loves God. This would fit the other way around. Forgive me, ladies, if I'm just talking about my son, but I have daughters I've talked about a lot, you know, and now they're all moving away, so, you know. 
I have to find some other people to talk about. I don't know. <laughs> you see how that works, though? Now I'm talking to him about his own timeline, his calling, the anointing of God in his life. You want to you wanna make sure that that anointing rests on you and uh, is not something that dissipates. Because let's talk about it this way. Anybody drive a car? Anybody ever have a car that leaks oil? Anybody ever have an engine seize up? You, you have? A few people have, yeah. If you don't have oil in a car, what will happen? Now think about your life that way. But think about it. It's not motor oil. It's anointing oil. The anointing of God in your life keeps you functioning the way God's called you to. When that anointing isn't there, things start to seize up. See, I want the flow in my life to be something that, see, Jesus, I'm submitted to his headship. Let me just bring this away from the church perspective because it really comes down to our everyday life. That, that Jesus is the head of the church. I'm part of his church. I, I'm one of his little lambs, if you will. And he takes care of me. And on his head is where the anointing lands. And it flows down his head, even to his beard, Zycon mouth. I, you know, I have a vision for my family. I have a desire for what my family is going to do and how we're going to interact and be as a family. And as I speak of those things, you know, uh, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they won't depart from it, right? In other words, you keep the word of God before them. You speak these things. You put them on your doorpost. You, the scriptures say that for a very specific reason. What you're doing is you're keeping in front of them excuse me, the very thing that keeps them focused on what sets the path or what establishes their path in life. And so when I think about that, the anointing coming down and it flows down from my life into my family and from mom and dad into the children. And, the, and if you will, I would say that anointing lubricates. It makes anybody perfect in here, got it all together, never fight with your family members. Some of y'all fight with your family members sometimes. You ever get mad at your spouse? No? Man, we need to have you all teach a marriage seminar. <laughs> yeah, of course you do, right? But it's an interesting thing about the anointing of Christ, the anointing of God in our life, that Angie and I may have conflict from time to time, but in the midst of that conflict, we both fear God and love God and know his love for our life. So there's nothing that we deal with that, that doesn't, you know, that, that trumps that. It, it, can't, it can't quite compare to the love of Christ. See, I could be mad at Angie, but see, you know, she's my wife, and I'm mad at my wife from time to time. But what happens is, is it's kind of like I'm mad at God's daughter. Y'all get that one? She might get mad at me once in a while. I mean, I can be a, a dense sometimes, you know, just dumb as a rock, you know, forget to do something. And all of a sudden, she, hey, didn't you say you'd do that? Well, yeah, but, you know got this and this going on well you certainly said you'd do that and I think you need to be a man of your word oh gonna throw that one at me <laughs> right and the way she approaches me she she remembers like man he's God's son in other words we're under his authority and we answer to someone else when we're in that place and we don't become law unto ourselves I answer unto me and only me because anointing doesn't flow there if you're not under his headship. Do you see that? 
If you disconnect from that, if you disconnect from that authority, you remove yourself from that covering out from under, then you don't get the benefit of what comes from being under. The oil comes down on the head. The anointed one, he's anointed, and it'll flow right on down to you if you stay under him and you don't remove yourself from that place. Be under Christ. Build your story. Make that clear for yourself. When you know you and what God's done in you and for you, then it's not hard to be a witness to others of what God can do for them. Amen? So, as I said, whatever yoke, uh, or whatever yoke the anointing has broken off of your life is an anointing that God has given you to break a yoke in someone else's life. So, again, if that be that you've dealt with unforgiveness and you've come into that place of being able to forgive others, there might be somebody you encounter that needs to forgive somebody and you can help them break that yoke. Maybe you're abused as a child, you know, and you have a difficult time, you know, with letting things go. But God's broke that yoke in your life. You can help somebody else break that yoke in their life, you know. Maybe you've gone through, you know, um, a destructive marriage and you made it out of that. You, you remarried. God's grace shined upon you in the midst of that and, and there's a person that's going through something like that, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, an unfaithfulness in a marriage or whatever it may be. And, and in that situation, what happens is you've been through something like that and you see another brother or sister and they're walking through that kind of a time. And they just feel like everything's completely destroyed and there's no hope for the future. You might be the person to help them see hope for their future where they don't think there is any. Amen. Whatever that may be, write your, make sure you're doing that timeline. I'm not going to ask you to turn it in, but I am going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask you to make that clear, make, you know, be clear about your story so that you're capable of sharing that with somebody when the moment arises so that the anointing can set down on you and the yoke can be destroyed in their life. Whatever your story, you want to fill that blank in, whatever your story, know that God has called you and anointed you to bring benefit, the benefit of his kingdom. He has called you, and he has anointed you to bring the benefit of his kingdom. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee this is the same chapter that speaks of the promises of God that are yes and amen. It's the same chapter that speaks of the promises of God being yes and amen, that they're not no and yes, they're yes and yes. Read that again. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee I don't know about you, but when you go spend money on an item, especially if it's a pricey item, do you want to know what the guarantee is? I do. It's kind of like, well, what's the guarantee on this? It's like, there is no guarantee. Huh. I think I'll shop around. Here's the amazing thing about the gift that we have in Christ, the call of God on our life. We're not doing this alone. God has given us a guarantee. And the seal of it, you ever notice that? It's like, you see that, that, 
like gold seal and it says 10-year guarantee, 10-year warranty, you know, guarantee, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. It's no different. God seals us with his spirit. He gives us that guarantee. And, and, and what is it that establishes that for us? Well, you know, my life is breaking down. Well, look, I've anointed you in Christ and I've given you the seal of the Holy Spirit that says you have a guarantee. Go to the Father with that. And he'll see to it. He'll, he'll ensure that all those things that are happening in your life, that all things work together for good to those who love God. And here we go, wrapping up, and are called according to his purposes. So the call of God in your life is not something you're responsible to carry out all on your own. No, quite contrary to that, God has given you his spirit to seal you, to anoint you, to fulfill his call in your life. Amen. So, uh, everything God has done in our life is to glorify him. And you go and, and, and maybe give some time this week, write that down in your notes. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 is what I read to you. Go read that, go read that chapter. And one of the things you're going to find out is everything that he's doing in your life, it's actually for his glory. It's to turn it back to him and to glorify him for what he's doing in your life. Because when you glorify God for what he's doing in your life, guess what it becomes? Anybody know what the word glory means? Say light. See, it brings light or shines a light. When you glorify God, what it does is shines a light on him of what he's doing in your life. And when you shine a light on something, it tends to become more visible. What God's doing in your life, he wants others to see so that they too might come to know him and receive those same benefits that I just talked about. It's inevitable that the call of God will reflect God in our lives for the benefit of others to hear their calling as well. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done in our lives. For this series, Lord, that the emphasis of your call in our lives. So right now, Father, as we take a moment and we pray for one another, I pray as, as each member prays for those around them that God, your anointing, would set down on them strong. That, Lord whatever may be going on in the life of another believer here in this room today that is prayed for, that, Father, the prayer of another saint would break that yoke and would lift that heavy burden off of their life because of the anointing that is upon your people. And take a moment right now where you are, find three or four people, and we're just going to take a few more moments, and I just want you to pray for one another right where you're at right now. Find three or four people and just pray for one another. You can ask, like, is there a specific need if you want? And just ask them if there's a specific need you could pray for. And, uh, and then just pray for each other. Some people are still praying, so we're going to allow them to do that. But you're free to go whenever you feel like uh, you need to go. So uh, be blessed.